Good morning, Cross Point. Great to see all of you. Welcome. Always a pleasure to spend Sunday morning with you. I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. I know there's uh, some special circumstances as of late with uh, COVID going around. Uh, I know of about 20 families for the last month that have dealt with COVID, so I know our attendance in person is a little low, but I trust that you guys are watching online, and uh, we want to welcome you. And personally, I can't wait for all this to be over, at least uh, as much as it can be, because I'm looking forward to 2022, I almost said 2012, that would be, I would be off for 10 years, 2022, and I'm looking forward to having at least 250 people to 300 people every week on a Sunday. Did you know that's how many people would be here if everybody showed up? <laughs> and we would need chairs, we would need more chairs. Uh, but that's not a problem. We will be glad to invest in more chairs and uh, everything else that's needed. So I want to just encourage us to stay faithful, stay committed to coming to Sunday morning worship services. Uh, everyone online, if there are special circumstances like many of you have right now, of course that's understandable. But as soon as that's over, we'd love to spend time with you here in person. So we're looking forward to that. All right. So don't be scared when you see 300 people before the end of the year here. Lord willing, that's, that's my goal. I've shared that with the elders. And uh, I think it's very attainable, of course, with God on our side. We want to do His will, but that's certainly something that could uh, very easily happen. So I want to encourage you, continue coming. For those of you that maybe have gotten a little accustomed to or comfortable viewing online, but you could be here, I would uh, encourage you highly as a pastor at Crosswood Christian Church to attend in person. I think it's uh, necessary for all of us to be in person, all right? I'll quickly mention that um, growth groups will be starting February 1st. The first Sunday of February, if I'm not mistaken, it's February 6th. That'll be Sunday, the first week that we begin growth groups. I think if we were to start now, uh, we would probably have this type of attendance in our groups. And so we'll have a shortened first trimester, probably about eight weeks. But hopefully come February, first week, uh, most of us will be recovered and ready to roll in our growth groups. For those of you that are already in a growth group, we plan on keeping the same group structure. So if you're already in a group, you can stay in that same group unless you need to change for scheduling purposes. Next week, we'll have everything ironed out as far as scheduling and, uh, you know, is everybody staying the same? Is anybody changing? And then if anybody needs to change, of course, that, that's, that's doable. And... And what I really want to encourage is those of you that did not participate in the last trimester, I would highly, this is probably as, as I believe as important for your spiritual growth as anything else, and that is to engage in a growth group. Be part of a growth group. And I have people in my group that are as young as, I know there's as young as 16-year-olds that are, that are part of growth groups. I can't think of anybody younger than that, maybe 15. Um, but I would say if you're... If you know what's going on, spiritually speaking, you should be in a growth group. If you've been baptized, you should be in a growth group because you've said through your baptism, I'm committed to following the Lord. Growth groups is a way to biblically emulate what happened at the early church. People got together at, at, at church every day or they gathered in people's houses every day to study, to pray, to have fellowship, to commune. And so... We don't want to buy into the lie of this world and buy into the, the, the way of this world and say, like, oh, that can't happen anymore, or, or maybe not exactly the same, but, but the point is that we are committed to following the Lord in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. And we believe that Sunday morning is part of it, being part of a growth group is part of that, and then serving 
Uh, we want, I, I will reiterate the fact that what we want to encourage is that you would attend one service and then serve in the other. And then we have a lot of service opportunities here at church. And then we also have uh, outreach ministries that you can be a part of. We believe if you do those three things, that, is a, that gives you a really good base from which to, to grow and serve and love the Lord. So keep that in mind. Next week then, uh, we'll have all the details you need to know about the growth groups. Um, I know we're having a leadership meeting on Saturday the 15th at 4 p.m. for the growth group leaders or anybody who is part of that. Um, people that are being trained for future growth group leaders, that, that meeting is also for you. You should have gotten an invitation. I think we're coming close to the end of our blanket drive, maybe one more week. I know Teresa and her family have also been dealing with illness and such, and so she hasn't been here. Uh, so has Erica Avila. They've also been dealing with, with uh, COVID-related uh, situations. And so we'll extend the, the blanket drive. Bring a, bring a blanket. Uh, it doesn't have to be new. Just wash it. And then they're going to be in charge of passing it out to people that, that need it. You'll see a container out in the front for that. Very good. I'm excited today because later, towards the end of the service, uh, or the message, I wanna, I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, 2021 re- end of the year review, and just to see what God has done in us and through us, through Crosspoint. So I'm excited about sharing that with you towards the end of the message. Um, at this time, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, for us to take communion, or in preparation for taking communion, and... Here Paul, the apostle, writes to the church in Corinth, and you probably know that the church in Corinth was a special church. They had all kinds of things going on. If you don't have one of these, please raise your hand, and uh, Jason will come around and provide you one. And uh, in part, Paul writes this letter quite concerned with what's going on in the church. And uh, so at the beginning of the letter, he begins to establish the purpose of his letter and the importance of the gospel. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, the Apostle Paul says, But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, that would be us as well, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And every time we take communion, we are reminded of our Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. Him, specifically, him crucified. And it says that for the Jews, a stumbling block. For the average Jewish person, it was a stumbling block. It was something that they could not comprehend, that they they could not understand. Their idea of the Christ or the coming Messiah was a military ruler. And so... Here, Jesus being born in Bethlehem in a manger, parents relatively unknown, humble people, and then he does some great things, but then he's crucified to the Jews. That did not fit the scenario or their idea of what the Christ was going to be like. So for them, it is foolishness. And then for the Greeks, for the non-Jews, it says foolishness. Sorry, for the Jews, a stumbling block, and for the, uh, the Greeks, foolishness. This idea that, that Jesus, as far as they were concerned, this man 
would have the power to die for the sins of the world. To them, it was just foolishness. But, but to those who are called, beloved, and we should be so grateful, both Jews and Greeks, that Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, the message of the cross, it says in verse 18, chapter 1, is foolishness to those who are perishing. And when you really think about the fact that you could be sitting there or watching online and that you would, by faith, trust in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago at the cross, if you really think about it, you will realize that if you accept that message of salvation through Jesus and what he did at the cross, it's only by faith and it's only by a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in you. Because to, who, to people whom it has not been revealed or whose eyes have not been opened, people that have not understood this message or, or have been willing to accept it, it is foolishness. But to us, the power of God, the wisdom of God, that through his sacrifice, we can stand righteous, perfect and holy, behold his perfect and holy God, and thus have a relationship with him. Not based on who we are and what we do, but based on who he is and what he has done for us. And so with that in mind, as we peel back the first layer, we take out the bread, which symbolizes the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for us. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you reveal the juice, which represents the blood, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, his very life given for our sake, for our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. Let's take that together. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're grateful to you for this beautiful morning, and we're grateful that you would allow us to gather in your name to lift up our voices and, and, and worship you and declare your goodness and your greatness and your love. What an amazing thing. We are so privileged, so blessed. I want to thank you for everybody who's here. I want to ask that you would uh, not just watch over us, but that you would guide us, that you would teach us that as we begin this new year, that we would have this resolve of wanting to know you better. And that as we get to know you better, that we would surrender our lives to you and that we would be willing to love you and serve you and declare your wonderful works for all to hear and see. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Amen. Beloved, this morning then, we'll get right to it. I want to share a message entitled, Tell What God Has Done. Tell what God has done. And I'm going to look at a story here in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I want to read the whole thing. I was tempted to just read some of it, but what's the rush? What's the rush? We're just starting the year. Matthew, Mark chapter 5. I would imagine that many of us are familiar with the story. Maybe some of us are not, but regardless whether we are or aren't, I think it'll be beneficial for us to, to read this story. And I want to just read it, but I'm not going to spend too much time explaining it or, or, or dwelling on it because what I really want to focus on is verse 19. Mark chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 20, but verses really nine, verse 19 is really where we're going to spend most of the time, which, is, which are the last two, and then verse 20, the last two verses of what I'm going to read. And the idea here is um, 
based on the title of this morning's message, is Tell What God Has Done. Tell What God Has Done. And then at the end of the message, then what I want to do is I want to tell you what God has done through Crosspoint during 2021. So I'm excited to do that. I have verse 19 as a key verse. So I'll read that to you now, and then I'll read the whole thing. So verse 19 says, However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And again, many of you probably know the story, but here's this man that wants to follow the Lord. The Lord says, no, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to go home, and I want you to tell your friends of all the great things that God has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And, and I would love for us that as we start this new year, we take this, what Jesus told this man, and apply it to ourselves. We have to tell others of what Jesus has done for us and how he has had compassion on us. That's the, that's the application I'm telling you now. The main point then before I read it is, God is glorified when we speak of his power and mercy in our lives. God is glorified when you share with others about what God has done for you. You elevate his name. You let them know how awesome he is. You let them know about the power, his power in your life how he's transforming you, how he's allowing you to do these great things, and how he has had compassion on you. When we do that, when we share that with others, he is glorified through our lives. So, let me go ahead and read then. Let me go ahead and read Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. It says, and, and this, there's a title in my, in my Bible here. It says, Demons are cast into swine. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now I'll pause right there, because I'm not going to go back to, to this guy here uh, during the message. But, but did you catch that? What a sad situation. Here's a demon-possessed man for, for a while has been living among the tombs in the cemetery and night and day tormented, crying out and cutting himself, completely isolated from everybody else. A menace to their society. They, they on multiple times would try to bind him with chains and he would literally break the chains and the shackles and break them into pieces. I feel for this guy. He was in a terrible and sad situation. When he saw Jesus afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. 
For he said to him, Jesus said to him, come out of that man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So this whole scenario is just kind of crazy, right? A little, little weird. And we're not going to go into the demon possession, how this man had potentially a thousand or over a thousand demons in him. And how the very demons worshipped God. They, they knew who Jesus was. For the nation of Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Even the demons understood who he was. And they worshipped him. Strange. Verse 14. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed. And had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they begged, they began to plead with him, with Jesus, to depart from the region. They couldn't understand what was happening. They were afraid. 2,000 swine drowned. It was just overwhelming for them. And they wanted Jesus to just leave the region. Verse 18. And when he got into the boat... When Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. I would imagine, here's, you know, how do you go back to society after being this crazy demon-possessed person who, and so he wants to go with Jesus, and I don't know exactly the motivation why he would want to go with Jesus. I would imagine if I was that man, I would want to get away from my past and just say, let me go with you and start a new life. That would make sense to me. So he began to plead, sorry, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled what an amazing story what an amazing story all true so we're not going to get into you know demon possession although i'm sure that's very interesting to probably all of us uh suffice to say that i personally do not believe that a christian can be demon possessed but can be oppressed and depressed but not have a demon indwell them and I'll go further to say that we have zero business tapping into or being curious about any of the demonic realm other than to shy away from it and proclaim the blood of Christ and ask for his protection. 
Um, and, and, and that means, I would say, that means be careful what you watch and be careful what you listen and be careful who you hang around with and be careful what you expose yourself to because the enemy is very sharp, very smart, and sometimes kind of creeps in in ways that we think like, oh, it's just entertainment. Oh, it's just that. Oh, I know. We got to be very, very careful. You don't want to mess with a demonic realm. And here is this man possessed by a legion of demons, a sad situation. And, and I believe the reason why Mark tells his story is not about the demons and it's not about the man even, but it's always about Jesus. His narrative and his gospel has to do with the good news of salvation brought forth by Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so every story that you find in the Gospels or anywhere in the Bible ultimately is about God. And here we see God's in the flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, having complete and total dominion over demons and any demonic realm. We sometimes make the mistake of thinking that it's Satan against God. God has no one that can challenge his power or challenge his will. Nobody. And here you see the demons begging Jesus and asking him for mercy and for permission. And some things that we don't understand is the Lord says, okay, you're asking for permission to do that? Fine. Go into the swine. Um, Lots to say about that, but I'll say Jesus God is sovereign over everything that we see and everything that we don't see. That includes the material things and the things that are in the spiritual realm. And that includes Satan and every demon that's out there are subject to the lordship of Christ. How he deals with that and how he manages that is really only his prerogative. He's the one that understands that. Us, we don't. But, uh, but suffice to say, we worship a God who is sovereign over everything. And for that, I am truly grateful. All right. So here's what I want to do this morning. I have three points that I want to share with you. We'll go fairly fast. But um, the main point is that God is glorified when we speak of God's power and mercy in our lives. And so the challenge for all of us is that we would leave here and we would really take the time and be intentional about what has God done for me that I can share with people what has God done that, that highlights his character, his power, his mercy, his compassion for us? And we need to share that. That is how we become uh, witnesses of Christ, telling people. And uh, let, let me say this, that for some of you, you can identify with this man. Demon possessed, just a mess. Everybody just kind of knew how bad he was with situation. And, and maybe some of you in your testimony, in your history, you could, you, you're able to tell how, you know, your life is just completely out of order and, and you're able to cite examples of how, you know, bad your life looked, you know, how it was and how it looked for everybody else. Some of us that maybe grew up in the church is what I really want to get to because for those of you that I just mentioned to you, it's obvious. There's a lot of things that you can mention. But for all of us, for the rest of us that maybe like me grew up in church and, you know, have never really been in a big trouble, um, at least not publicly, because we all have our list of things of which we're ashamed of. 
But I would say, you know, if, if you're like me, you don't have this amazing transformation, I, I would say you're wrong. Because I think for us, the transformation that occurred is where we started to live for him. And we're able to say how we now have new hopes and dreams, how we now live our lives for him who died for us. And to people, that, that doesn't make sense. I, I believe that, you know, when you hear somebody talk about how God took them out of drugs and gangs and gambling and drinking and drugs and, you know, suicidal thoughts and tendencies and all that, it's, it's impactful. And, and if that's your story, praise God that you're no longer there. Keep telling the story. But for those of us that maybe don't have it in our background, I think our lives can be just as impactful if we live the life that Christ has called us onto. So see, I believe that our lives, for those of us like me, are not as impactful or astonishing or interesting is not because we don't, ha- we don't have this ugly background to talk of. It's because we're not living the life that Christ has called us for. Because if we do, people in our culture would be just as amazed at someone who is devoting their life to following Christ. I think that when people can see a person who maybe doesn't have a crazy background, but they can see somebody who is fully devoted to following Christ, I think that is just as impactful to someone. And for me, to my shame, I would say, if my testimony is not as impressive as somebody else's, it's only because, not because, oh, you know, darn. If only I would have been a drug addict and a gangster, and a, then I would have a great, no. That's just a silly excuse of yours. Start living the life that Christ has called us onto, and people around you are going to be just as amazed at your testimony because of the life that you're living for him. They will be just as confused. They will think that you are a fool for living your life for Christ, and that's going to impact their lives. But for those of us like me, we often don't have that, or we feel like, I I haven't got much to share. Don't use any excuses. Just realize because we're not living the life that Christ has called us onto. And when we start doing that, you're going to see that you're going to be able to testify unto others of what God is doing in your life. All right. I wanted to share that. That kind of kept coming to me during the week. So, telling of what God has done for us, three points. Three points. Telling of what God has done for us. Point number one, let's get right to it, reminds us of what and where we once were. It's a good thing for you to tell others of the great things that God has done for you because one, it'll keep reminding you of who you were before Christ and where you were before Christ. And so even for somebody like myself who grew up in church and for the most part stayed out of trouble, I'm still able to remember a time when I was hopeless even though I knew the gospel message as a, even as a kid knew. I remember being afraid of dying. I remember thinking that, you know, when I grow up, I want to do this, that, and the other, and they, were, they had nothing to do with God. It was about maybe making money, having a nice house, driving a fancy car. You know, we all wanted a Lamborghini growing up. It's like, oh, I'm going to drive a Lamborghini. Now we get older, it's like, have you seen the gas prices? There's no way I'll drive a Lamborghini. All right, whatever. All right? But as a kid, my mindset was completely selfish. 
and afraid of dying. And even though I knew that Jesus had died for my sins, in my mind, that had not translated to a surrendered life to him. And so it reminds us of what we were and who we were and where we were. So you do yourself a favor by telling other people about what God has done for you. And it keeps him at the center of your life, beloved. It keeps him at the center of your life. We get in trouble when we realize and we forget that where we are in Christ, by God's grace, it's only due to him. If you start thinking that it's because of your schooling and your intellect and your strength and, you know, you know your, how well you take care of yourself and how much you exercise and, you know, how smart you are and you leave Christ out, I believe that's when we totally and absolutely get in trouble. So telling people what God has done for you and how he's had mercy on you and telling them where you were, it reminds you of where you were and who you were and where you were at one time before Christ. And that's a very good thing. I'll share with you Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2, in case you remember where you were. It says, Paul says, And you he made alive who were dead in sins and trespasses. Beloved, you have to understand that you were this crazy man living among the dead. That's us. Outside of Christ, that is us. Hopeless. And if not demon-possessed, at the very least, the Bible clearly says, if you're not a child of God, you don't belong to him. You're under the dominion of darkness. And that might sound ugly. You're like, no, I've never been demon-possessed. Well, if you weren't demon-possessed, you were certainly on their team, at the very least, until the light of the gospel shone in you, and you repented and came to Christ. So keep that in mind. Ephesians 2.12, it says that at that time, you were without Christ— Paul is reminding these Christians, he says, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I don't know if you remember a time when you were there. I do. I grew up in church, but I remember being there. And I'm glad that I'm no longer there. So telling of what God has done for you reminds us of what and where we once were. And we have to be reminded of that. Point number two, telling of what God has done for us encourages the hearers to seek the Lord. Why are people going to seek the Lord unless they hear of what God has done for other people? I believe that people want to know. But they want to see truth. They want to see the real deal. They don't want to see phony Christianity or phony religion because they see that all the time. They need to see the real deal, that the power of God has transformed my life and that his compassion on me has made me a new creature, evidenced by who I am now after having met Christ. So it encourages the hearers to seek the Lord. That's how we're going to be good witnesses. We've got to tell people what he's done to us. And you shouldn't just, you know, ah, if you met my pastor, I don't know what he brags about me. But, you know, if you were to meet my pastor, you know, he used to be this and that. Like, don't tell him about other people. I mean, maybe there's time for that. But, but what have you to say about yourself? You shall be my witnesses. That's a verse that I'm going to come up with later. But keep that in mind. Because it encourages the hearers to seek the Lord when you tell others of what God has done for you. And it honors God. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8. 
It says, this is the Lord Jesus after his resurrection. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And again here, Jesus says, you're going to start in Jerusalem, meaning right where you are. And there's lots to say about that, but I don't want to take too much time. I'll take a minute. Beloved, boy, baby, if you don't hear anything else, you'll hear this. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. I think in part, this man wanted to hide from his background, from his history, and he wanted to go with Jesus just start fresh. And I don't blame him. I'm sure I would have wanted to do the same thing. But Jesus kind of basically says like, nope. You got a story to tell. And you got to tell a story to the people that knew you before I did this work in you. Those people that knew you and were scared of you, they are the people that need to hear about what I've done for you and how I've had compassion on you. Don't come with me to hide. And I would say, beloved, stop hiding. I know I hide. There's so much to do. There's so much that God wants to do. We are the light of we are light bearers. And too many of us are hiding under the bush, under the bed. And the light of Christ is nowhere to be found. Stop hiding. Whatever that means. I have to tie this because this kept coming to my mind. If you coming to Crosspoint means you hiding, go somewhere else. There's something you don't hear pastors say, right? And it's not being mean. But maybe some of you are hiding by coming to Crosspoint and just hiding behind, you know, excuses. I don't want you to come to Crosspoint to hide. I want you to come to Crosspoint to shine your light. But if this is not a place for you, go somewhere else where you will shine your light. Because it's not about us. It's not even about you. It's about Christ and his message and him being glorified through us telling of what God has done for us. So let's stop hiding. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, this is what we're all about as Crosspoint. Go therefore, Jesus said, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a purpose for us being here, all of us, every single one of us. So telling of what God has done for us, as Jesus told this man, Reminds us of what God has, of what and where we once were. It encourages the hearers to seek the Lord. And point number three, it glorifies God for who he is and what he's done. Kind of like an obvious one, right? But here in the story that we read, after the man was rejected from going with Jesus, and the Lord says, go back and you tell your friends and your household. And then he starts doing that. It says, this man departed, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And what happened? All marveled. Do people marvel at your story? They should. Because if you're a child of God, you've experienced something that is supernatural. You're a new creature in Christ. You're no longer just human. You're a child of God. If you proclaim those truths, people are going to marvel. They might marvel because they think you're crazy. They might marvel because they knew you and now they know you, they know you now. And it's like this big difference. What a, awesome. But people should marvel at our stories because it's his story in us. Psalms 22, 22. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the, sanctu- the assembly. I will praise you, the psalmist said. 
And then Romans 59, quoting from the Old Testament, Paul says, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. He says, that's the reason why we sing. We proclaim you so that God will be glorified among the Gentiles, among the non-believers. We are here to proclaim what God has done, who he is and what he's done in us and for us. And so that's what this man did. You know, perhaps we'll meet him in heaven. You're the crazy. Wait, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm excited to, to meet everybody. I mean, I don't know what that's going to be like, but um, I'm, I'm excited and I'm feel blessed to be able to read stories like this. And this is an actual person who was actually demon-possessed and in torment and just the most terrible situation. And our Lord Jesus Christ, with the simplicity of the power of his word, is able to heal this man. And with the power of his word, he heals us. And he gives us a second chance and a new beginning. And I praise God for that. But now we must... Go and tell of what God has done. So here's what I want to do in the next uh, several minutes. I have a little presentation here of telling what God has done here at Crosspoint in 2021. So these are some highlights. It's not everything. But here are some highlights of uh, what, what I would consider highlights of what God has done in us and through us. And this is not going to capture everything because one of the most valuable things is what God is doing in each and every one of us. That transforming work how he's drawing us and how he's growing us and transforming us. But just to get us an idea, I hope that you feel, uh, I, I hope that you glorify God by me expressing what God has done in us and through us here at Crosspoint because you are Crosspoint. You make this happen in collaboration with him and the rest of us. So here it is. Um, some highlights. Here we go. Slide number one. I would say that one of the things that we have been blessed with this year is that we're in a new worship center, right? Uh, there was a big investment in fixing up this, this side of our property, and then we started meeting in here on Resurrection Sunday. So Sunday morning experience, well, that's a, that's a second one. Okay, so our new worship center, I'll just say that, all right, where we are. And then we navigated through COVID-related Sunday morning worship experience modifications, which is a really big deal, right? If you haven't been part of these, you don't know how much time, how much effort has gone into us being able to go online because pre-COVID we had none of this going on. And so we've gone through online services. We did outdoor services for a while. And then we came in here to our new worship center. And I think that's, that's amazing that God has allowed us to do all these transitions. Fairly seemingly kind of seamless for the most part. I think most of you, if, again, if you're not involved in the background, uh, if you don't know what's going on, uh, you probably just came and you're like, oh, we're inside now. Oh, we're outside now. But there was so much work that went into that. For that, I'm grateful. I think, you know, God takes all the credit for that. Next, I want to share with you um, our next slide I will share with you, as I think it should be, that our setup and tear down every week. I think that's a really big deal, that we get to come and kind of sit in these chairs and we take it for granted that this is actually a gymnasium, but we turn it into a worship center every week, and it uh, requires a lot of people to set it up and tear it down. All right? And so if you're part of that, thank you. And then 
the you know, youth group is involved in that, youth growth group leader, youth group leaders, and, and many other people. Next, I want to share with you giving. So at the beginning of the year, if you were part of our leadership meeting, we talked about how our goal of ours would be to, to give away about 10% of our income. So whatever we collect in offerings and tithes, we want to be able to, as a church, give away 10%. Now, 10% doesn't sound like a lot, right? Except for all of you who don't tithe because you think it's too much, right? That wouldn't make sense. Uh, if you tithe and temp- giving 10% is no big deal, you've become accustomed to it, then maybe. But you know that 96, 98% of people can find it in themselves to be able to give 10% of their income. So for us as a church to give away 10% is really not as easy as it may sound. So you should know that as a church, we gave away over $20,000 to ministries, to people, um, mainly, yeah, ministries and, and to people that, that needed, needed the help. So in 2021, we gave away as a church over $20,000 um, in Christ's name. And so we're, we're really uh, happy that we were able to do that. And we look forward to, you know, making that eventually 20% of our income, being able to give it away. And, and, and why not? Even, even more than that. So we, that's, that's all of us uh, contributing. And just know that it is our goal to obviously honor God with, with whatever money comes in. But $20,000 of the money that came in last year was given away. Ministry collaborations. So ministry collaboration, things like uh, ministry in India called Buds for Christ. We, uh, you should know, gave away. I'm just going to continue here. I'm not going to worry about the screens, all right? So Buds for Christ, we gave away over $5,600 by purchasing things. We're committed to helping 20 children in India who are affected by HIV or AIDS, whether through their families or themselves. And that's a big part of what we give over there. And then we also bought some things for them. We support some camps that they do. Reino de los Niños is an orphanage in Ensenada. We purchased, we did a couple of purchases for them this year that totaled just under $5,000. My Safe Harbor, uh, they they were here, they presented uh, this this last year. Uh, We give a monetary contribution to them, to Obria, which is a women's clinic here in Whittier. Buenaventura is a recovery home in East L.A., Crossfire is an evangelistic uh, ministry that we did the basketball clinics with. We support them. Uh, and, um, and then the Crosspoint Community Food Distribution that we do every Thursday. Uh, that's also something where we invest. That's, that's a big part of where those $20,000 went this past year. Uh, I'll share about the food, this community food, food distribution. You should know that every Thursday at 11 o'clock now, we distribute food. We get an average of about 40 people that come and collect food. They represent, on average, four people in their household. And if you come, and we always use help, but you should see them. They need help carrying the stuff that they get from us to their car. So they take like 30, 40, 50 pounds of food, depending on what it is. Um, and so the way I did the math, and this is very conservative, we gave food for well over 10,000 meals easily by getting together on Thursdays. And we get food from Heart of Compassion in the City of Commerce. We bring it here. We distribute it to, to our community. And there's about 10 people from Crosspoint that help on a, for this weekly ministry. I'm grateful for all of you. Growth groups. This is very exciting. There was over 120 people that took part on our growth groups over the last 
over 2021, the, the three trimesters. Our numbers kind of came down a little bit towards the end of the year, so I want to exhort you. If you started, then you kind of dropped out. If you haven't been part of the growth groups, you need to get back into growth groups. You'll probably be getting a phone call or a text from me soon. All right, we hope that you sign up. Christmas Eve service, we had a resurrection. Uh, that was the first in, in, in for us to have a Christmas Eve service. Uh, we had a Resurrection Sunday service that was also great. And we also had a Shed the Shame women's event that was kind of outstanding for us in, in uh, 2021. We had, not that long ago, our seventh anniversary celebration. I will suffice to say we had a really good meal, but we also ran out of the 200 free t-shirts that we gave away. So we had about that many people, about 200 people here. But we ran out of our free t-shirts. I don't know if like one person took one for, no, I don't know what that was. But we ran out of t-shirts. Uh, our basketball clinics, along with Crossfire, we had about 70 players that attended. And about 100 people together with the players and their parents that heard Randy Shepard's gospel presentation. We're really excited about that. We had youth group, Bible Bowl, children's ministry, nursery, our AV team, ushers, welcomers, prayer team. All these people took the time to serve the Lord at Crosspoint, and we're grateful for all of you. And one of the most exciting are the last two numbers here. We had, if I was to ask you how many people you think got baptized here at Crosspoint in the last year, you would say, if you said 18, you would be correct. We had 18 people get baptized at Crosspoint this last year. That's a great number. And then we had two lunches, two Meet the Leaders lunches. And we had 60 people exactly attend. 60 people. These are people that have started coming to our church and have stayed. And then after being here a couple of months, they wanted to meet the leaders through our Meet the Leaders lunch. All that to say, God is great. He's doing a work here in us and through us. I appreciate all of you for being part of that, whether it's your giving or whether it's your participating. Continue on. Carry on. Do it. Be committed. And uh, everything to, to honor God. We're, we... I'm grateful for all of you, and I'm grateful, of course, to God for allowing us to be part of this ministry. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're grateful for all you've done, for who you are, everything you've promised us, uh, for the people that you're reaching and allowing us to disciple here at Crosspoint. We're grateful. We trust that you will continue to bring people. We pray that you would help us to get ready, that we would have a servant attitude and, and just being willing to do our part in order that you will be pleased in sending people our way to share the gospel with them. Many, for many of them, many, maybe for the first time, but for, for a lot of people, just giving us an opportunity to disciple them, to grow together with them. So as we begin this new year, 2022, we pray for your blessing. We ask for your protection. But we don't want to play defense, Father. We want to play offense. We want to go out there and share what you have done and who you are. So we pray that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us. And that you would use us in a way that will bring honor and glory to your holy name. I thank you and I ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Beloved, God bless you. You are dismissed.